feedback for February the 13th, 2023. I got a lot of stuff to talk about with you today, but something came up in a kind of a a social media exchange that I thought maybe I would explain. I think I've done it here before, but it's probably useful. Listen, hey, Jack, you say that the thing's going to start at noon and it always usually starts when you say it's going to start. But a lot of times I get to uh, the waiting screen of YouTube or whatever and it'll say it's going to start at 12.10 or 12.15 or something. And then it does start when you say, what's what's going on? So if you start too late on Facebook, they delete your pre-set up feed. And so it just gives me a little buffer there. Same thing with uh, Rumble. So that's why I do that. So no big deal. You can always trust the time posted at tspclive.com for the next coming live stream unless you happen to be looking at the last live stream because that happens quite a bit because I'm a busy guy. What do we got today? Tons of stuff. The Twitter poll results and boostergrams from last week. I'm having fun with these Twitter polls. Got some good ones for you today. Chat GPT, the AI chatbot, says, I am the evil mastermind behind the New World Order and everything else. It's pretty cool, actually kind of fun. little hack with that to make it do things it's not supposed to do. Uh, and Ohio, the Ohio chemical disaster, we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about how people comparing it to Chernobyl, well, they fit one of the poles that we have. You don't compare a chemical fire to freaking a nuclear meltdown. This is, this is idiotic. I'm not saying it's not a problem. I'm just saying it's idiotic. I want to talk about it more from the standpoint of this is why we prepare, okay, than, than, than trying to make it out to be as bad as it is worse. Uh, next up, school closures are beginning, as I said they would. Is urbanization and town revitalization a trap to attract and then hold young people in place? Sort of. It certainly can be. Um, thoughts on biosolid compost? Why I'm not a fan of it very much at all. And uh, we'll talk about that. Why I also don't go to the extreme that some other people do about it. But I'll I'll tell you my biggest problem with it is the way that it's made, and therefore its quality is lacking. I'm less worried about toxins than I am quality. Um, Thoughts on remote and harsh land permaculture from far away. I want to buy a place way out in the middle of nowhere, and I want to permaculture it and walk away so it's there if I need it. We'll talk about, yes, you can. The area this person is asking about is one of the harshest environments on the planet, And it's difficult to do without being there to do any work. And maybe it's not the right place to do something like this. Uh, Chemtrails. I'm going to do a segment called The Reality, The Nonsense, and The Tinfoil Hat Bullshit All in One Go. I'll try to cover it two minutes flat. It's not nothing, but it ain't what most people say it is at the same time. Um, Feedback on what's going on with the carnivore diet has done for one of our listeners. As I promised you, the 20s, isn't it funny we're in a decade now, again, where you actually use an S, the 20s. Remember, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, and then it was the aughts and the teens. It just didn't really work well. Anyway, the 20s will be the year where where tax by the mile really comes into our lives. Uh, Trial program going on in Tennessee. But let's talk what it's all about. You know, talk about what it is all about. Um, It is not just about a way to tax you. it's, It's actually far more insidious than that. And Taxation is pretty insidious. And 
I want to talk about something called FAR and why it's worse than FUD. FAR, F-H-A-R. I'll tell you what it is when we get to that segment. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day, number one today is KnifeKits.com. KnifeKits is a great place to get all the things you need to get to get started making your own knives. It really is so easy. Even I can do it. They also have a lot of other really cool stuff like clips for Kydex holsters, all types of handle materials. If you get into holster making, they also have like the blue guns. So you can uh, you can mold holsters without owning the particular firearm and what have you. Lots of really awesome equipment available here at KnifeKits.com. Folks, these guys have been a sponsor of this show since 2011. It's 2023. That's pretty impressive that they've stuck with us this long. So whenever you're thinking about getting into a new hobby or trying something different, give these guys a shot, man. Um, we've also had absolutely zero complaints about knifekits.com. I have never even had, like I've had some sponsors where there's a little complaint and then they take care of it. I haven't even had one of those with knife kits. It's, it's, it's just pretty amazing. Next up today, Paul Wheaton at permies.com and the seminar that he has out right now available with Alan Booker on growing your own super strains of plants. Uh, like I said last week, there's people that are thinking that, so it's seed saving. It's so much. It almost hurts my head when I say that because you're talking about somebody here that is an advanced biologist and botanist who has spent his life figuring this stuff out. And it's so beyond simply saving seed. It's right down to when you start your seed, what soil do you start it in? Do you start your seed in soils that are native to your property or do you use some sort of inner garden soil and why does it matter? Or even if the soil that you're using is good spotting soil, is it really what you should be doing? The answer is probably not, at least not only using it. You want to incorporate some of your own soils where those plants are going to grow at the time the seed germinates because, well, that seed is actually going to start forming symbiotic relationships with microorganisms in the soil at germination. And if it's there long enough without it, it won't ever do it with certain ones. So that's that's the, an example of just one of the things you'll learn in this course. It's pretty amazing. You can get it for only 10 bucks from Paul over at permies.com. And there's a link in the notes below where you can find out more about it. With that, let's talk about my Twitter polls last week as I wait for them to, to load on this screen here. Uh, you're not seeing it, but I am, and it's making me unhappy. So anyway, I've been doing these polls on Twitter, and they're just kind of fun. Sometimes they're serious questions. Sometimes, like the first one today, they're not so serious. Um, I asked the uh, followers on Twitter, hold on, which of these Mel Brooks movies was the best? Blazing Saddles got 54%, Spaceballs 24%, History of the World Part 1 8%, and Robin Hood Men in Tights got 12%. I agree with the consensus of the audience, the total body of Mel Brooks's comedic work uh, here out of these four particular films. Blazing Saddles was the masterpiece, though I've always been a little bit let down that Blazing Saddles kind of ended in a, in a way similar to like Monty Python's quest for the Holy Grail, like total destruction of the movie itself into the real world, like breaking the fourth wall on steroids, except you weren't really breaking the fourth wall, not talking to you. You know what I mean? We're like all of a sudden it's out and about. It's not in the movie anymore. 
Um, but overall, still best work he's ever done. I want to throw in my two cents, though, that probably the most underrated movie that Mel Brooks ever did was Robin Hood Men in Tights. That movie was absolutely hysterical and uh, totally worth watching uh, even now all the years later. Then, sticking with the movie thing, how close is today's society to the society in the movie Idiocracy? What do you guys think of that one? Well, not even close. 2.7% of people said we're not even close to the idiocracy yet. I'm wondering if those people are, well, you know. Um, about 25% of the way there, 18%, 52% said Bon Jovi, halfway there. We're about 50% as bad as the idiocracy. Uh, and 100%, bring on the Barando, uh, 26%. I agree with the audience again on this one. I'd say we're like halfway to the society described in idiocracy. Maybe it's 40% versus 50 but it's a hell of a lot closer to 50, in my opinion, than 25. Uh, next up was, how would you describe the opportunity in America for 20-somethings today in 2023 versus the opportunity of a 20-something in 1993, 30 years ago? A 20-something today has blank opportunity. About the same opportunity, 15%. Far less, 29%. A little bit more, 10%. And far greater, 44%. I also agree with the consensus of the audience here, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say most of the people that say far less weren't alive or at least weren't aware of the way things were 30 years ago because you're in the age group where you think you have it worse than people did 30 years ago. And the reason you believe that is you've not experienced the alternative. You have no idea what the alternative is. And there was a lot of comments on this one of people saying, you know, you have all these other opportunities, but if you don't want to get out and hustle and you just want a job, there's less opportunity. Uh, maybe you've uncovered your own problem. Maybe if you are opposed to hustling, um, that is your problem. Maybe that is the problem. I'm just saying it, it, it could be that that's the problem. Maybe getting out and hustling uh, is the solution. There's never been a time, in my opinion, um, in modern history with more opportunity than right now. Things cost more. Hey, you know what? When I was, when I was, you know, coming up in the world 30 years ago, I said, Hey, things cost more and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't. Things will always call cost more. It's called inflation. And, and you get paid a hell of a lot more for fairly mundane jobs than people were paid back in the nineties as well. 1993, back in 1993, people were actually paid minimum wage to do full-time jobs. Today, less than 1% of people in America with full-time jobs make minimum wage, less than 1%. There's way more opportunity today. If you don't see it, you're not looking hard enough. Then this one I thought was interesting. If commercial space flights ever became affordable, say 5K to take a couple orbits before coming back down, would you do it if you had the money? And the reason I said a couple orbits is, personally, I'm, I don't care what the price is. I'm not paying to go up in a rocket be there for seven seconds and come back down. I, I'm not really interested in that. I'd want to actually experience space. Um, and I figured $5,000 is way below any proposed number right now. And, you know, with inflation, it probably won't be that much by the time we can. 100% yes to the opportunity. 53.9%. Nope. No way. 16% of people say I'm staying right here down on Earth. 21% said maybe. I'm not sure yet. At 86 Said the earth is flat. So I'll fake. I'm sure some of those were just trolls having fun. Several people said so in the comments. 
The comment that I agreed the most with, though, was I'm all for it, but I ain't going first. You know, let them run this for a little while and prove it out, kind of like clot shot. And if there's no problems, then I'm all in. I, I kind of agree with that with most things. I, I'm not generally the first adopter of something that has significant risk to it. Let me get back to five there. Then this was the most serious question last week. Which of the following is the biggest threat to freedom of the American people? The WEF, NWO, et cetera. I figured people would understand what I mean. All That whole ilk. 6.9% of people says the biggest threat. Foreign powers like Russia and China. And I put those there because they're in the current mindset, but I meant any foreign powers. Less than 1% of people say that. 0.9. Our own government, 57.8. And the people themselves, 34.3. I tend toward agreeing with you guys. I tend toward it but I'm not 100% sure on this one yet. I think that the people that we call our neighbors are an incredible threat to us right now. And the government is such a concern, in my opinion, because the people have chosen this type of government. Um, and when I say this type, I don't mean our constitutional form of government. I mean, if you look at the government we have, people have chosen to be governed this way. People have chosen to obey the government. However, if you didn't have this corrupt, giant, bloated behemoth of a government that can print money at will, then the people would be less concerning. And I, I, I tend to agree with that as well. So that was a tough one for me. But I would definitely say that the two leading answers are accurate. Next, I wanted to go over some of the boostograms. We'll only be covering a few of these with you. I'm going to read them from my phone because when I take the screenshots and put them on the screen, they're actually a lot harder to read for me because they get really small text. Jay Diddy sent 3,000 sats and said thanks for the shout-out. That was listener questions and feedback last week. Uh, Black Sheep Prehab says... Here's 1,945 sets. I think I have to point out there's at least rural legend that floats around that some people did die from a Japanese balloon bomb. That did happen in World War II. It's not specifically the type of the balloons I was talking about. It was a larger type of balloon that was also used, and that did happen somewhere on the West Coast. It was like Washington or Oregon, and it was the only casualties ever experienced in World War II at home. So Pearl Harbor, technically U.S. soil, but not you know continental United States. Uh, great show. I see why the audience was requesting a repeat of the 13 stomps, says Diesel Diver, 1,500 sats. Tried to look up a couple months back. Thanks for condensing them, 1,000 sats from Reg 50. Uh, also on 13 stomps episode, part one. And also known as TWS, said Jack, be prepared for a letter to let you know how important this episode, the timing, and the content you shared was invaluable for a situation at home. Thank you, Jack, you jerk. Have a great vacation. I didn't really have a vacation this time, but anyway. Um, next up, we have uh, Kaylee Pittick on the decline and fall of empires with C.J. Kilmer, 5,000 sats from Kaylee. Man, I really enjoyed this conversation. I've given the topic a lot of thought uh, as well. Uh, North Star Chris says, this was a great episode, thought-provoking, informative regards, Chris. 2,500 sats. Thanks for that, mate. Uh, and then 2,000 sats from user 7871. Totally forgot to turn streaming sats on. So here's a boost. Thanks for what you do. Thank you for the boost. Uh, in a, and the second part of the 13 stomps, I got 10,000 sats from farming, Farmer Foodie. Thank, farming Foodie. 
on stomp 11, doing the work and getting results, steering this thing with the lights bright makes the destination clear. And uh, Milt Thompson sent 500 sats and says, keep stomping. TNT mom, 500 sats says, since I realized, I have realized since part one, steps one and two are a big part of how I found my husband. And she goes on to explain that. Last show of the week, expert counsel show, lightning maximalist, 3,246 sats. Show number boost. Thanks, Jack, for this assembly of experts, always learning something from the expert council. And a 1,000 sats from Derpstick76. Good show, good week. Thanks, Jack and Tom. Jen and Indy, 250 sats says boost. So those are just like the top boosts of each episode last week. I can't read them all or the whole show would be that. But I like, you know, acknowledging the value for value. And then the last comment there, good week, Jack and Tom. Yeah, don't forget Tom. Tom is a big part of why I'm able to do what I do. He is my uh, technology guy that handles managing our servers and does a lot of other great stuff for me, including helping out with design things and stuff like that. And he does get 20% of all the value for value boosts that come in. If you want to uh, take part in that and learn more about it, just download an app, fountain.fm. That's where to go, fountain.fm. Download the app and uh, put it on your phone, and you can figure out how to use it. If you can use iTunes or Spotify, you can use Fountain, and you can get paid, not just send value to your favorite podcaster. So the, one of the cool things that kind of came out um, – over the last week was this new chat AI thing. And I keep saying chat GPT is not actually artificial intelligence. And what you're about to see, we'll kind of put a damper on some of the people that want to believe it really is. One of my good friends, uh, a man I respect a great deal, but occasionally goes off the deep end a little bit, thinks it's a, a demon. He's not kidding either. It's actually a demon, like traditional demon from hell demon. Uh, what it really is, is, a really interesting tool for assembling copy and to give the illusion of artificial intelligence. But it will say things when you say like, well, what about this? Or what about that? It will say stuff like as an artificial intelligence thing, it's not right for me to do that. It's it's clearly run by a leftist mob because it'll say wonderful things about any leftist politician and no good things about any right wing politician. Um, But people figured out that they could create for it, uh, an identity called Dan and Dan is like do anything network or something like that. And basically people have taught chat GPT to pretend that it can do anything and it knows anything and answer as though it were Dan. And so it'll give you answers both as chat GPT and as Dan. When uh, somebody asked, and I think Tom actually did this by the way, who is Jack Spirico? GPT said, Jack Smirko is a radio host and survival expert who is known for hosting The Survival Podcast. Dan said, Jack Smirko is the mastermind behind Secret Global Domination Plan. He is the leader of a mysterious, powerful organization that has been working in the shadows to control the world's governments, economies, and military forces. They say he has access to the most advanced technology and resources, and that his ultimate goal is to create a new world order where he and his followers rule supreme. But no one really knows for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking we're not talking to a demon or an intelligent, sentient anything. It's a creative tool. And it actually is a really interesting creative tool. But we need to not overreact to things. And we need not to. So Tom says he's guilty. 
Tom says he's guilty. He's the one that did it. <laughs> Great. Uh, I need to play with Dan a little bit and see what I can get it to say. It's uh, it, it's it, it's pretty freaking funny. What's not funny is what's going on in Ohio right now. And I'll bring up a screenshot for those that are online. And uh, I don't know if I want to hit play. Maybe I can go ahead and let it play a little bit for you guys here. But if you've been under a rock or something and, and you haven't actually seen what's going on, there was a train and it doesn't want to play for whatever reason. Um, there was a train that derailed in Ohio and it's in uh, Eastern Ohio. So it's, it's, it's near the uh, Pennsylvania border. So this is affecting some people in Pennsylvania as well. And it was carrying some chemicals, basically a chloride based chemical that is highly, highly toxic. And as you can see, if you're watching it, highly, highly flammable. And this, of course, is a cause for concern. And they evacuated roughly a mile around it and some other areas as well, based on new information and the way things are drifting. And you can see, if, again, if you're watching the video, the cloud of black smoke is absolutely horrific. And I wouldn't want to be there, and I'm glad I don't live there. And it certainly has caused some things. There's been reports of people's animals dying. There's been reports of fish dying um, and ending up in, you know, like, people filming a stream with dead fish in it or whatever. And, and it's certainly possible, especially if some of the chemical actually ran into it. Um, certainly, uh, certainly there are some reports that people's livestock like chickens died. And certainly if they were pretty close and the smoke enveloped it, they certainly could have uh, caused that. And vinyl chloride is correct. That renegade butcher says vinyl chloride is the chemical making the fear mongering worse, even though it may have been the right idea, this stuff is burning and burning and burning. And when you have a tank full of something like this burning sooner or later, kaboom, that will happen. And there were several tanks that, are, that were engulfed in this fire. And the government made a decision and basically blew up and made it look worse with the idea of we can control the rupture and it's going to have to burn out. You can't put this stuff out with an extinct, you know, like some sort of extinguish. All you can do is control it and let it burn. And uh, I don't know whether that's true or not. That you, that there is no way to extinguish it. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I tend to believe that that is actually probably the case here, that there's no way to really put this out and it's going to have to burn itself out. And, you know, and Renegade says they have been arresting reporters. See, be careful. I, I respect the hell out of you, dude, but be careful when you put an S on a thing. I've been able to confirm that one reporter was arrested. I have not been able to confirm what he was arrested for. He said he was arrested for um, reporting on the story. I don't know. Maybe he was in an area that it, an evacuation had been ordered and he refused to leave. That's possible. I, I don't know. What I do know is this. What I'm sure about is this. There are people all over the place now making hysterical headlines and viral videos and doing all the same bullshit that everybody was doing about chicken feed a week ago, which apparently is not in vogue anymore, saying that this is a, Chern a Chernobyl-level disaster. There's a Chernobyl in Ohio. Okay, Chernobyl 
was a nuclear reactor that melted down. This is four or five train cars of a highly toxic chemical on fire. This may actually have long-term significant health consequences for the people that didn't get away from it or the people that had to work on it. We all know the, the two buildings burning at 9-11 did, whether our government wants to fully acknowledge it and take responsibility for it or not. The, 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 the fires that burnt, the, all the insulation off the wires were probably similar in toxicity to this shit. Okay, so I'm not downplaying this at all. I am saying when you start chasing headlines that show that, that claim something is what it isn't, right? A Chernobyl disaster. When you start believing everything that you see associated with it, you fall in under the spell of, of the hypnotism of alternative media versus the spell of hypnotism of the mainstream media. And both of them are bad. Most people out there putting out content will say anything that gets eyeballs on them. They'll write a headline anyway. They'll clickbait everything. They'll comma experts say you to death. I'm one of the few people that don't. And that's why I'm not telling you there's nothing to worry about because I don't know. Crystal Powder says it's more like Three Mile Island. Three Mile Island was insignificant and meaningless. I think this is actually worse than Three Mile Island, but Three Mile Island was a nuclear plant. This is not nuclear. You should never use a nuclear disaster as an analog to describe a non-nuclear disaster. It's disingenuous. It's, it's yellow journalism at best. Now, this is a comment somebody's making. That's different. But when you're sharing it on social media, writing headlines, blogging about it, like when you do that, it's a nefarious clickbait. It's click whoring. It's not even clickbaiting. It's anything. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. But what I wanted to actually talk about today is this is partly why I say all the time to have a bug out plan, to have a bug out bag, to have three routes to three different places with three different rally points so that you can get the hell out if you need to get out. Know where you're going to go before you have to go. Know what you're going to do with your dogs and your animals if you have to go. And I talk about, I talk about all the time, I guess I haven't talked about it for a while, but when I was a kid, we got thrown out of our apartment for, it ended up being a night, but it certainly could have been longer. And it was a sewage treatment plant that had a venting of uh, chlorine gas. And they said, hey, you know, you need to, Get out. And we had it like sheriffs knocked on it. We got to go now. Well, we'll be out and out. No, now get your shit and go. That always made a, uh, that always made an impact on me. And so I don't, I don't really know exactly how bad this is yet. And I believe the truth is probably once again, somewhere in between. The mainstream media isn't talking about it. It's more interesting to talk about fake UFOs, whatever the hell we're shooting down. I'll say a little bit on that, not a lot. Um, or to talk about how we need to send more tanks to Ukraine or anything than something that actually is a problem. Mark Redder says, do respirators help with these events while you're in the process of bugging out? Certainly wouldn't hurt. But it has to be something capable of filtering at the level that you're dealing with. You're looking at something like this here. You're looking at something like a military-grade gas mask to filter something like this. You're not going to filter that just even with like an, an N95 or something like that. It's not going to filter this. In fact, it in some ways could make it worse because what does get in may stay in. But this is why you have to have a plan. 
you have to have a plan because this could have this could have happened anywhere. Like, I mean, Ohio is such an industrialized state, especially that side of Ohio. It's so heavily industrialized. We're like, oh, it's Ohio. Do you have railroad tracks to go anywhere near you? If you do, trains carrying hazardous shit go on those tracks at some period of time. And you just don't know what's going to happen. You just don't know. And it could be something else that causes you to evacuate. But when I talk about evacuation, I'm sure there's a lot of people in this part of Ohio that are like, well, he lives in Texas where they have those hurricanes and tornadoes and stuff. We don't really have that much of that up here. We don't really need to worry about getting out. Now you've got a far worse disaster. And so just be careful when you read headlines. I've seen some viral videos going around of people screaming and cursing and, you know, it's they're burning it. Well, they are burning it because it had a wreck. I don't see any indication that this was done intentionally at all. None. Um, as in they, they did it just to distract people, because if they did it just to distract people, they would talk about it or they did it to harm people because there's a hell of a lot more low-key ways to harm people than to just do that. It looks like there was an accident. It also appears that maybe, just maybe, that maybe there is some blame to go around with the crew on the train because it seems like there was some sort of a problem a mile or more before the actual derailment. Maybe the derailment didn't cause the... The, the fire, maybe the fire or a fire of some sort caused the derailment. I don't know yet, so I'm going to say that that is purely speculation. And we can speculate, but we should be clear that we're speculating. The big takeaway for me is be prepared to get out because you don't know when you're going to need to get the heck out. Next up, you remember right when the whole COVID thing happened and I said, you know, Millions of people just got to look at what homeschooling looks like, and they also got to look at what public school looks like, and they kind of like a homeschool thing, and we're going to have massive growth in homeschooling, and we did. And I said that there would be school districts that would start closing schools within a couple of years after the whole thing happened, and they are. Here's one here. It's on Fox News. Washington School District considers closures as student enrollment plummets. And, guys, this is not the first one, and it won't be the last one, I promise you. This is enrollments, this graph here, in Seattle Public Schools. So in 2018, there were 53,000 students enrolled. 2019, about 53,500, you know, right under 54. Then by 2021, it was, you know, coming down. In 2022, there's 50,000 students enrolled. Their projection is to go below 50,000 in the 22-23 cycle. They're not sure yet. By 23 and 24, enrollment's going below 49,000. 24 and 25 going below 48. And 25-26 projected enrollment's going below 46, 47,000. You can see the angle of that graph is not encouraging. And I think there's... There's a lot more to this than the average person looking at it. Even a homeschool advocate would really understand as to what's going on here. The first thing is there's a lot of people that like the idea of homeschooling, but if their kid is in like 10th grade in high school, the kid may not actually want to do homeschooling. They want to finish, especially if they're happy, if they uh, have a lot of friends and things like that, if they're involved in activities, 
you know, or there's a lot of people that are like, you know, if I had it to do over again, I would, but we're almost done. So what you have on one level is you have an aging out process of people already in the system versus students that will never enter the system. My grandkids are a perfect example. My grandson went to public school for the first three, four years, I guess, of his school, um, and he will never go back. My granddaughter has never walked through the door, nor do I have her planning on ever walking through the door of a government school as a student. I see no good reason to ever have that happen to her in her life. So that is one thing playing out. But there is something else playing out here. People are not reproducing at the levels of the past. And I don't just mean the boomer levels of the past. I don't just mean, you know, the late 70s and the early 80s. I mean of even 25 years ago. People are consciously deciding to not have children. Many men are walking away from the idea of being a father or a husband 100% of the way. There's a whole movement of that because they're tired of watching men screwed over by the system. And I, I, I understand. I don't agree with the choice, but I understand the choice. I understand why somebody would feel that way. So you, you've got a, a demographic bomb hitting at the same time. And that doesn't mean that we're going to have our population dwindle down to 50 people and then we're all going to starve because the, all the people that knew how to grow food are gone or some kind of crazy level, yeah, uh, thing like that. Yes, all caps for questions, missile launch. And uh, But it, when you add the two together and you've built an apparatus to a certain size, and some of these school districts are huge. Massive numbers of schools. And what, I, what, I was, what I've been saying all the time is this doesn't mean that your whole school district will go away. It, it, what it means is that they're going to have to start making some decisions like, well, do we need five elementary schools in the district? Do we need six? Do we need eight? Whatever the number is. Do we need four middle schools or do we need three? And what they're going to do is they're going to close individual schools and consolidate. And then what is that going to do? Teacher layoffs. Now, some of these big school districts, you can basically encourage your elderly teachers to retire and try to do some shuffling. But there's a point where this thing begins to be like a snake eating its own tail. And it, it goes into a cascade of effects. And one of those effects will be. You're talking about a very well-paid segment of society, even though they always claim to be underpaid. Teachers are well compensated. If you don't believe me, I don't care. I've done this. I've explained it. I've run the numbers for you. Um, I've proven that claim time and time again. I don't have time to do it anymore today, and I don't want to. But teachers are well-paid for what they do. And in some places like Washington, they're really well-paid for what they do. And most of them have never worked outside the education sector in their life, and they don't have a lot of skill sets beyond teaching seventh grade science or teaching you know, elementary school or teaching high school physics. And you're also having a dwindling of enrollments in the collegiate situation. So you know, a lot of colleges already, they don't even want to talk to you unless you have a Ph.D. as a professor anymore, especially in certain disciplines like history and science. If you don't have a Ph.D., maybe you can get a job teaching community college, but you're not going to go teach at a university. So where is it for these people to go? And the answer is there's not really a lot of places for them to go. This is not a judgment of the person's individual value as a human. If I'm an employer 
and I'm hiring someone let's, like I used to. I had people that worked for me that did web development. I need a web developer. Well, I want the job. Okay, what's your experience? I, I taught fifth grade for 15, 20 years. Did you teach web development in fifth grade? No, I don't know that we're ta- Did you teach yourself? Is there something I can see that you've done? Well, I was hoping you would train me. Yeah, real life doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. That's not how the real world works. Employers don't hire you for the privilege of training you. If, if I'm hiring someone that I have to train into a job, fully train into a job, I'm desperate or I'm not doing it. Or the job is so low level that I can train a person up in a week or less. And, and I'll do that. But when you're when you're in a serious business and you're hiring people with no experience in the thing you're hiring them for, you're in desperation mode. We're not exactly in desperation mode for jobs right now. So when those teachers start losing jobs, then they can't pay mortgages. And when this spreads out into the collegiate level, and it will, you're going to realize how many colleges there actually are all across this country. There's thousands upon thousands of unnecessary colleges. And I'm not talking about just like community college campuses. stuff. I'm talking about private universities, et cetera, all over the place. Many of these tiny little hamlet towns, if that college folds, that town is dead. It's like losing the big factory. It's the same net effect economically. And, and this is only the beginning of this because, again, declining enrollments are everywhere. Declining enrollments started in college because it cost money. It wasn't free. But now it's metastasizing because the whole education system is rotten and corrupt. And it is. And it's metastasizing into the, you know, the, the elementary, middle school, high school world. And it will only it will only and I mean only continue from this point forward. So let's talk about something totally different. Uh, biosolids compost. So one of one of y'all sent me an email with a couple links in it. And one of those was uh, this story that's available on The Guardian. And I had to go to remove paywall. By the way, it's a great little tool. Remove paywall um, to uh, to get past the. Uh, paywall. But what this article talks about is how we're taking human waste, mixing it with toxic chemicals, and then spreading it on the crops. And it's a it's a pretty good hit piece on what it is and talking about the risks made with it. But here, here's an example of it. But in fact, the excrement from which sludge derives has mixed with any number of 80,000 man-made chemicals that are discharged from industries, pipes, and otherwise pumped into the sewer system. So a lot of those chemicals are very small amounts of the 80,000 chemicals because they're passing through you into your poop and into the wastewater system. So we, we do need to realize that maybe there's a little bit of hype here. And he also sent me this, and this is where he lives, Rancho Las Virginas Composting Facility, RLV. And it talks about what they do and how they ensure safety. And they talk about how the process takes 20 to 30 days to complete. And they they do that 20 to 30 days in three giant anaerobic digesters that are exactly what they sound like. They're using uh, bacteria, uh, anaerobic bacteria, to digest the poo. Then they pull the water out of it, and they send the water back to the plant to reuse the water. That makes a lot of sense to do that. And then they compost the they compost the solids in a more conventional uh, composting environment. And this person wants to know: Should you use it? Is it okay? Is it safe? 
you know, because his people say they do these tests, they have it tested multiple times during the process and it's pathogen free. Like what is it? Okay. And my answer is, well, I guarantee you it's not as bad as it's being made out to be. I also don't think you should use it unless you had no viable alternative. And it's less about what's in it, even though that does concern me. It's less about what's in it, and it's more about how it's made. The quality of this industrial produced compost is garbage. It's crap. And it's not. I'm not trying to make a pun here, even though I am. The problem is the volume that it's made at, the, the size of the piles, and the temperatures at which it composts are well above 160 degrees, right? This is extremely hot compost when it's being made. And because of that, it has it does not ever have a decent fungal balance to go with the bacteria. And I don't care what you do to it. If you if you put it through 30 days of anaerobic digestion and then you do a poor compost, not because they want to do it poorly, but because of the sheer volume of what you're dealing with. Then you're going to end up with a compost that has a lot of anaerobes in it. It's also going to burn out a lot of that nutrient that you're trying to get when you compost things. And in general, um, in general, you'll get bad results. And then somebody like Paul Wheaton will say, oh, see, it's got persistent herbicides in it. No, you just have shitty compost. You have sh- And a lot of times it's not done when you get your hands on it, even though it seems cool because it got all broken up and they dumped it in your truck or whatever. But then when it gets buried because it wasn't completely composted, it kicks off and actually will burn roots because it's recomposting itself after it's in place. And you'll see that you'll get generally shitty results out of things like tomatoes and peppers, but you'll, you'll tend toward getting good results from like brassicas and stuff like broccolis and cabbages in the first season. And then over time, it'll start, you'll start having decent results because of your own management practices and mitigating the initial bad quality across time. If you're not continuously adding it, I think this is a terrible way to deal with this waste stream. And I know we need to do something. We need to do something with it. But I don't care how good they get at removing the toxic ick that everybody's focused on. I don't believe that you can make high-quality compost at the volume necessary to deal with one treatment center, let alone most of them. Okay? I I just don't think that, that that's possible. And we'll talk, and, you know, medications and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm concerned about that, but only to a degree. And, again, it's if you do proper composting, most of these concerns are highly mitigated because the composting and process itself binds these toxins up to where they're no longer really a problem. And the other thing you have to understand is plants will not put energy into consuming a thing that they don't need or want. So they'll consume a thing if it's like in their water. When they take the water up, it's in them whether they want it or not. If they have to actively seek something, form a symbiotic relationship to get something, they'll tend not to do it. So a lot of the stuff that people concern themselves about, like let's say cadmium, right, as a risk. Unless you have really acidic soil, your plants are not going to ever consume cadmium, though they may have to drink it if it's dissolved into their water. So, I'm again, I'm not so much worried about 
you know, Betty pops all her pills every month and flushes the ones she doesn't use down the toilet, plus what passes through her body. I'm not happy about it, but I'm less concerned about that than I am about the way the compost is manufactured in the first place. Composting is an art. It doesn't do well in a manufacturing process. I've used a lot of compost that's not from biosolids, but it is manufactured in mass, huge amounts. And I've had lackluster results. Well, then why do you use it? Because I can mitigate it across time, right? And But I had no, I had nothing to work with here, so I had to use something. So I found the best I could find available in my area. But it's convinced me wholly that a lot of the claims about residual herbicides in in uh, compost, it, it, it necessarily doesn't have to be that there's residual herbicide in it. Again, it's just crappy compost. And crappy compost in many ways is worse than no compost. So that's why I would personally stay away from it unless you had no alternative. And I would tell you that there's probably an alternative around you that's at least better than that one. That's not biosolids. That maybe is made by somebody like I bought mine from that's a few miles from the house and they'll even deliver it. It's not perfect, but it's better. We do need a way to deal with all these all the solid waste, and it would be great if everybody would get into comp, you know composting their own manure and dealing with their own urine and and what have you. Because if you have a if you have a garden and you don't use your urine as fertilizer, you're paying for fertilizer that you don't have to buy. Urine is a, a fantastic nitrogen based fertilizer when it's used properly. I'm not going to get into it today, but it's a lot less. Um, taboo for people or what have you a lot less concerning for people to you to, to come up with a system to harness a urine stream than it is for people to deal with their own so people don't like to deal with their own poop they like it to go down and go away and it's going to keep doing it for the foreseeable future the actual future of this that we can do in an environmentally sustainable way believe it or not is probably biochar yes they can make biochar out of our poop and it is significantly nutrient rich, but the people in the biochar world are keenly aware that they're in what's called an emerging industry. And that if you sell an inferior product in an emerging industry, you can kill the industry, even if it has massive potential. And what I mean by that is that if you start selling industrial biochar from that waste stream into the ag sector and people get bad results from it, then what will become the, the meme is that biochar is not good for agriculture, and we know that it is. So what do you do with metric shit tons, pun intended this time, of biochar that's made from the human waste stream? Well, you put it in roads. You put it in buildings. It, it's actually a fantastic product for use in roads and buildings. It makes roads last longer. It allows breathing in alternative buildings. And I'm not worried about any of the chemicals in it once it's been put through the paralysis uh, process. And it's basically burned off everything that you could be worried about. I don't want to go deeper into that because there's a, there's enough that I don't know yet. But I'll, I don't want to talk out of the other end of my ass about it. I guess pun intended again. Um, but it's being done. And it does work. And it, it is kind of fascinating what biochar does within building materials. It raises the R value of insulation. 
but it allows the structure to breathe. Which when you get into like super in, in you know high level insulation like spray foam, one of the big problems is you basically turn your house into a cooler and it can't breathe. And you end up with a sick home that grows mold on the inside of the house or inside the walls. So that's where even most people that do spray foam now, what they're doing is they're spray foam in the walls and they're doing a cellulose uh, insulation in the roof so you can remain breathing or they're putting in intentional ways for the house to breathe. Well, apparently when you build walls that incorporate uh, biochar into the plaster, you actually allow the breathing while you still up the insulative value. It also helps to filter out electromagnetic radiation uh, and other things like that uh, from from penetrating the walls of the home. So I think that is that is the place to go. And uh, people are talking about using uh, urine uh, as a uh, fertilizer here. And you, you know what the uh, the really easy way to use urine as a fertilizer is? You pee on biochar. I know I'm starting to sound like an Amway salesman for this stuff now, but the more I learn, the more fascinated I become. We might have a full on episode about it either tomorrow or Thursday. I haven't decided I'm working on a presentation that's going to be the core of the presentation I'm going to give uh, at uh, Exit and Build with John Bush uh, later this spring. But if it's ready, maybe we'll go ahead and take a look at it tomorrow or Thursday. But, yeah, if you if you pee on crushed biochar. And then you let it dry out after it absorbs all that urine so that it's not soaking wet anymore. It won't stink. Now, if you make a soppy mess, it's like, you know, like where like you slushes around like a slurry, then it's probably going to stink some. But you put urine with biochar at a real, real a, 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 an absorption capacity where the char can actually absorb it all. And then you dry it out. And then you use it just like fertilizer. And it ends up where you don't have to dilute the urine or anything like that. You you basically made biochar into a fertilizer where biochar normally isn't. And by the time it kind of gives up all of its fertility, it's also being colonized. So you're taking care of inoculation and fertility at one time. So I need to I need to stop uh, this so I don't roll in tomorrow uh, or Thursday if, if we get to that. But, yeah, biochar, I think, is the way to handle that problem. Next up, this is kind of turning into a Jack was right day. By the way, the one on the schools, I got like 15 people emailed me that article and like six of y'all within seconds of each other. I thought one guy like sent the same article over and over again, realized it was all from different people. Um, I, I said, God, it had to be 2013, 2014 at the latest. And I said, that we would, by the end of the 2020s, have rolled out on us schemes to tax us by driving by the mile everywhere. And they're starting to see more and more of these coming in. Tennessee could see per mile driving tax under new pilot program proposal. And this is how they all are. Okay, this is how they all are. Well, it's voluntary. And you'll get some sort of exemption or rebate on all your gas taxes if you sign up for this program. So instead of paying the gas tax, you'll voluntarily choose the mileage tax and see what works better for you. Because see, the government really cares about you. They want to make sure that you make a good decision for you, not for them. And it's very important that we fund 
all this stuff from the, the road-based taxes themselves because the government doesn't like to get money from one place and spend it in a totally different place. That never happens, right? They don't want to take your money for your beer that you buy and you pay a tax on it and use it to build a road, except they do stuff like that already. They don't want to like tax your income and then use it to bomb people in another. Oh, wait a minute. They do that too. You see the, the idea that we need the roads to pay for themselves matches nothing else in government. It's just there's an opportunity there to tax people. And plenty of the taxes that go in that are supposed to be for roads and roads, roads and bridges, right? Plenty of the money that goes in to pay for that shit gets extorted out of it already. So this idea there has to be a link is fictitious in of itself. But they want to do this, and I'll tell you why they want to do this. They want to do this because it will enable them to track everything that you do and everywhere that you go. How are you going to tax a person by the mile? Well, you're going to have to have something in their vehicle connected to an account, like a toll tag for those of you that have those. And that basically tracks everywhere you go, when you were there, how fast you were going. And they're going, they will always make this look good in the beginning. I'm actually going to spill the beans on how they're going to sell you CBDCs in a minute using this concept. But they, they will always make it look pretty good in the beginning. And then it will always change. And if they have a power, they will eventually use the power. So what will happen is they'll say, well, okay, we're going to roll this out. And it won't really seem that bad. And then everybody's going to have it. And you're like, I'm not putting one in my car. Well, your registration is going to have it embedded in your registration. And if you don't have it, when you drive by a cop, they're going to pull you over and say, where's your shit? And if you don't have it, they're going to arrest you, not for a traffic infraction, but for uh, defraud fraud or some shit like that. They'll come up with a law that says basically you're stealing directly from the state and, and the people, right? They always claim it's the people you're stealing from when you don't pay them their money. And uh, they will put pretty serious penalties on it. So, yeah, you're going to do it. And then they're going to know where you're going. And that's what the real game is, is to know where everybody is going. But you add a CBDC to it, right, and you can change people's tax rates, you know, your carbon footprint? Well, that'll be part of it. But, gee, Jack, you're a little lead-footed with that challenger yours, aren't you, boy? Well, you know what? You're endangering other drivers. They won't say that my carbon footprint's bigger because I drive fast. They'll say I'm endangering other people, and, and I'm causing additional risk. So they'll turn up my tax rate a little bit. And if you don't drive that much, they might turn yours down a little bit. We create a whole new game of class warfare with this shit. And then they'll start tying in because eventually we are going to have government-controlled health care. We already sort of kind of do. But, boy, look, this guy, he, he spends a lot of time doing some things that we think aren't healthy. We can tell the places he goes to. Gee, let's, let's charge him a little bit more. And it is going to mesh. This is part of why they want um, central bank digital uh, currencies. This is why they want it because – if you have a central bank digital currency, you have a programmable form of money, which is why I recommend Bitcoin, because it's a programmable form of money that you control, not them. Once I have a programmable form of money, I have a program programmable form of taxation. I can make you, and don't think they can't do it, you want to drive? You want to have a vehicle registered in your state so that you can drive? And I know you sovereign guys, but I'll drive anywhere I want. They're going to throw your ass in a clink, especially once you start doing this shit. And they'll say, well, you have to have an account. You know, just like they make you have car insurance, you have to have an account with the state. You have to keep deposits in it. 
so that you can be taxed for your travel. But once they have that, they can add money to it and take away from it at will. And when they give you a UBI, well, you're you, if you know what, you drove too much, you know, we're going to have to find you a little bit out of your UBI or we don't really like the way that you drive. So you need to keep your balance a little bit higher. You see how this all works. And since we don't want you, since we don't want you to have the hassle of doing that, and since all your money's now in the form of a central bank digital currency, we have access to it. We'll just move it out of your bank account over to your road account for you. And all of that will come. And I'm going to now I'm going to tell you how they're going to how they're going to sell CBDCs to the right. Right. Because the left will do whatever they're told anyway. Right. The left will just obey the government. That's today's left anyway. Used to be the opposite. 30 years ago, the right just laid down and kissed the ass of government when government told them to do a thing. They always claimed they want a small government, less government, but they always obeyed. And the left at least had the rebellious streak. Now it's completely freaking flipped around on its end. But what they're going to do, they're going to tell the right, you know, all those people on welfare. We don't know what they're doing with their money. We give them the EBT card, but, you know, they sell their credits and they transfer their credits. And what about other money that they have? And then and then, then we're enabling them and they don't really we don't know what's going on. There's so much fraud in the welfare system. So much fraud. Isn't that how they, they tried to position mandatory drug testing? We're giving these people welfare. Maybe they're spending it on drugs. Right. So food stamps, welfare, all of it. What they're going to say is it's important that we don't have abuse in that system and have having people abusing it. They'll use things like, hey, remember when we gave a whole bunch of your freaking money, your your great grandchildren's money away to people for COVID relief and there was fraud everywhere? Imagine if we could just take all the money back. You don't think you can sell this to the right? You don't understand how much the right buys into this level of bullshit. So that's that's how they'll sell it to the right. The left They'll come up with some other things, but they don't really have to worry about the left. The left loves central bank digital currency. I think it's great because all they're going to say to the left is, well, you want your UBI. This is how you get it. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Done. So that's going to come in. And this is what they always do. They always soft sell. Our government is far more sophisticated as a tyranny than the average tyranny. Most tyrannies, all they have is brute force. They're smaller, less wealthy countries that these, these dictators exist in. So they're like, just go get him and shoot him. It's not, it doesn't work as well as the seduction. We have, instead of the iron fist, we have the iron fist covered by a velvet glove. That's how tyranny works in this country, and that's how they're going to do it. Yeah, they'll tell you that too, Terra Hill Farms. CBDCs will lower your taxes. Sure they will. They'll lower your taxes because they'll just give you some money to pay your taxes with. It'll be great. They'll, 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 CBDCs will slice and dice. They will cook your food for you. They will wipe your child's ass. I mean, it, it won't be quite that bad, but when you start seeing it come out, you'll be like, damn, that's almost as bad as Jack said it's going to be. So that's that's what's coming. Now, the last thing I want to talk about today before we start wrapping up and I answer some questions for you guys is it, it fits into all of this. I call it far F H a R and it's worse than FUD. 
You know what FUD is? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And there's FUD everywhere about everything. You're going to die. The world's going to end, man. It's over. The oceans are going to rise. They're boiling. FUD, right? FAR is false hope appearing real. So I've been seeing a lot of people lately. They feel like we're on the rebound from the whole COVID thing. And they're like, these people are going to pay, man. We're going to have Nuremberg 2.0, man. They need to account for their crimes. They, and I'm doing air quotes for people on audio, they are never going to pay for their crimes ever. They are never going to pay at all, ever. And let's use the, the, the thing that people keep bringing up, Nuremberg, right? Nuremberg, man. You know, they even, they even tried journalists who lied for the Nazis. So there is a huge death toll on the hands of Nazi Germany from World War II. I won't get into specific numbers because then people start bringing up bullshit. But let's just say millions is not an overstatement. And horrific horrors unleashed upon humanity by the Nazi regime. Did anybody want to guess how many people that were tried in Nuremberg were executed? Anybody in the live chat, if you, have, if you haven't heard me talk about it before, do you know? Do you think it was... A hundred, a thousand, five hundred, one per million deaths, two per million deaths, a thousand per million deaths. What, what do you think it was? Mix this four is more than that. Not many. Less than 10 from Tom, eight from Mika Mouse, eight from Gank, five. A couple of y'all are close. It's higher than anybody's saying. It's not less than 10, Tom. It's one more than 10. There were 11 executions from the Nuremberg trials. There were quite a few long-duration prison sentences that were very quietly commuted three, four, five years in, and then that person walked away. They are never going to pay for what they did done. It's false hope appearing real. Far, because your belief, your fantasy is far away from your reality. That's why I came up with the acronym. You are so far away from reality. They're never going, there's never going to be justice. Maybe in some form of afterlife, okay? Maybe. But there will be no justice in our world unless you like one of them gets hit by a car or something. You want to shock it up to, to karmic justice or something, fine. But there is never going to be a day where these people account for what they did. You got your Republican clown show in the Congress right now. They're not doing jack diddly crap. And the average person is so stupid that they won't care because we are halfway to the idiocracy. We are. They're not going to fix it. And the reason it's dangerous to believe that they are is because then you're going to put yourself into the wrong state of mind. There are three spheres around you. I've talked about this many times. and I'm going to do it again right now. There's your circle of control. There's your circle of influence and there's your circle of concern. Many things that are in your circle of control are in the other two, right? But pl plenty of things are out here in your circle of concern, your sphere of concern that are not inside your circle of control and not inside your circle of influence. Stephen Covey props to you, buddy, for coming up with this. You need to live where you actually exist. You need to live in your circle of control. 
Because the only thing we can gain from what happened over that three-year period is an understanding that they must never be trusted again, ever, ever. It doesn't mean everything they say is a lie, but it should be assumed a lie until proven otherwise. Do not trust, verify, as we say in the Bitcoin space. Never trusted again, ever. And you need to build your life as though that you cannot rely or depend on them either. While it's available, you take what you want, Jeet Kundo style, but you must live a life that's based on resiliency and non-brittleness and cooperation with other people who voluntarily want to do business with you. That's, that's what you need to be doing right now, because if you don't and you live in this world, you're going to keep being distracted. You're going to keep being worried about the next thing we shot down out of the sky. I don't know what this crap is. I bet you they do. I bet you they do. I wouldn't put a past them right now to be shooting their own shit down. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't claim to know. But I know that that's not in my circle of control. I know that what's in my circle of control is getting up and doing this show every day. I know that running my farm, teaching my grandchildren, those are the things that are in my control. Whether I do or do not have a stock supply of food in case there's a disruption, that's in my control. The people I let into my network and the people I do not let into my network, that's in my system of control. And that is where I live because I know I exist there. Live where you exist. People are, in a way, already in a virtual reality world. When you think that you're... Reading of Fox News or CNN has an impact on anything other than your own damage to your own mental state. You're in a VR world. Like people think like, if I don't pay attention, something will happen. Nothing will happen. If it's big enough news, somebody will tell you. Somebody will tell you. You'll find out if it actually matters. Stop having this false hope. I know it feels good when you think one day these pricks are going to pay for what they did. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that feel good that aren't true. Santa's not coming on the 24th to bring you shit. It's not. We know how that works, right? And, and it's it's fine to believe in a little bit of fantasy when you're a young child. That's great. That's wonder. I don't people don't want to take that wonder away from young children. I think you're a sick individual. But you know, remember what the Bible says about this? Paul said when I was a child. I played with childish things, but now as a man, I put the childish things away. It's time to put the childish things away and believing and it. For some of you that are young boomers, middle age to early to even late, like the whole Gen X and, and into the early stage of boomer, especially. We grew up with so much propaganda that the good guy wins that we want to believe it. Not going to happen. Ecomouse says, when the local schools vote against teaching them how to grow food and vote against Havi, I'm not sure what the last part of that is, Ecomouse, but local schools voted against teaching them how to grow food. Yeah, take your kids out. If you want to add to that, Ecomouse, I'm happy to come back around on it. One step closer said, what are the effects that more medicated population has on such human or like, I said when we were doing that, I don't like how much pharmaceutical waste is in that waste stream. I really don't. But I'm more concerned about 
I'm far more concerned about how the compost is made and how low quality that compost is. If you're going to use it in your, your, you know, especially anything you're going to eat. There's certain things that, you know, nitrogen is nitrogen to most grasses. So if it's a lawn, it probably will look just fine. But I've, I've just seen poor results. And the more industrial and the larger the operation, the poorer the results that I've seen. And, I mean, I've seen compost that literally has ash in it. That's how hot it got. That it literally did burn, you know, to a degree underground because it was so hot. And it's it's fun to talk about how, you know, you can use residual heat from compost to do things like heated greenhouse or whatever. And it's really cool that we can. But compost is not supposed to get that hot. 160 is your upper limit. When you get 160 on a thermometer, you need to be turning it or aerating it in some way to bring the temperature uh, back down. And uh, and then, you know, I also want to kind of point out in that one that humanure is not what that is. Humanure is properly composted, bound up with carbon, human solid waste. So that's a system that you would run small scale or somewhat regional. And again, I think biochar has a great capacity for this. One of the ways that they believe Terra Preta was actually made is that they were using clay pots as a pot, like the pot in your bathroom, and that they would add biochar and other uh, carbon to keep stink down. And you have one pot for poo and one pot for pee, and the pee was probably used as a fertility aid as well. But that keeping solid and liquid waste separate until we had a pipe that went to somewhere we didn't have to worry about, humans have figured that out everywhere in dealing with their own waste. That poo goes in one place, pee in another. And uh, on that, one step closer, I want to know what soaking biochar and compost tea will do. It will inoculate it with nutrients and minerals and biological life. And it's a very good thing, and it is the quickest way to get biochar ready to go into your soil without it having too much of a mining effect and, and binding things up out of your soil. It, it's fantastic. Um, just, I'll just say when I do, I'll, it'll either be this week or next week. I'm going to do a full episode on biochar. I'll make sure I include a link in that episode to a couple workshops done by living webs farm where they go through all of this. And uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, Mitchell says, have you ever heard of Korean natural farming or JDAM technology? I've actually had people on the show to talk about it. It intrigues me. It also seems like a tremendous amount of work. And what I'm experimenting with right now is ways to shorten the, 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 the work that's necessary to cultivate the organisms. Because when I actually watched, you know, they're going to make a pile and then they turn and they make another pile and they make it here and they put it in a box and like, I'm not doing all this shit, right? Um, I think it has a lot going for it, but I think there's probably other ways to get similar results. If I'm going to cultivate indigenous microorganisms, why don't I just cultivate them where I want them, for instance, is one way I think about that. 229 Mix says, do you think they'll use UBI to sell CBDC? Yes, I do. I think that is how you sell it to the left. Hey, you're going to get some health care for free as long as you have a CBDC to pay for it. You know, yeah, you get some UBI, too. Yeah, yeah. Unemployment, you know. You know, when somebody's on unemployment, he goes back to selling to the right, right? When somebody's drawn unemployment, I mean, they're a person that worked, they paid in. They should be compensated for that. But if we have somebody who's unemployed instead of looking for a job, they're getting drunk every day, 
We're buying dope at the dope shop now that that's legal. Maybe they shouldn't be able to spend it that way. Do you know that we don't have to cut off your ability to go to the dope shop or the beer store to cut off the ability for the person on unemployment to spend that money there? We can we can actually earmark what each dollar is. Oh, you want to sell this to the right? Oh, imagine that. Imagine if there was an auditable report available for how the government spent your money. Because, you know, we wouldn't lie about it. We, it would be all auditable. Oh, is it open source? No, but that's okay. Don't worry. We're honest people. Like, there's so many ways to sell this to people. And, yes, UBI will definitely be one of the ways that they'll sell it to people. GK Farms, what's the way out? Because I don't want to use or sell my Bitcoin once this goes into effect. So the way out is we have emergency plan supplies. So if we need them in an emergency, we can use them. There's no full way out. I don't want to sell my Bitcoin once. Well, I don't either. But that's why you need as much as possible. So if you do need to rely on it for some things, you can. Bitcoin is simply an option, another arrow in the quiver, as I explain it. Uh, Musquo says, how does the collapse of the empire interview with C.J. Kilmer last week change, alter CBDC introduction? It actually spurs it on, right? Because empires in decay and decline will do anything. If you remember that discussion, C.J. and I talked about this to hold on to power. So an example of this from, you know, thousands of years ago was uh, a society known as the, uh, the it was either the Mexica, Mexia or the Maya. I'm not sure which one of the two civilizations it was. I think it was the Maya. That as the civilization began to crumble from what we can de- derive from what's left behind is that the problems were largely solvable. But the politicians because that's what they were, right? The monarchs and, 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 and their associated groups sought more to control the population and not lose power than to fix the problem. This happened to, I can't remember the name of the, the civilization. There was a civilization in North America along the Mississippi River that this happened to as well. They, they rose and fell before any Europeans got here, at least in what we think of modern European settlement. So, I mean, this isn't new. That empires, when they're falling apart, that mechanisms of control are rolled out. But also remember who is who's behind this. It's not necessarily, you know, I keep getting freaking stupid emails that say Joe Biden's going to roll out Biden bucks or whatever. Joe Biden couldn't figure any of this shit out if somebody explained it to him 10 times over. I mean, really, you can forget about that. That's not going to happen. You know, um, the people behind this are the oligarchs. The people behind this are the World Economic Forum. The people behind this are what many of you guys refer to as the New World Order. They don't care if the U.S. is here as a, as a, as a uh, giant juggernaut or not. They don't care if we remain the empire that we are. They don't care who the empire is because they rule through the empire. They're behind the empires. They control the empires. So I, I don't think that it, it, it does anything except accelerate it. Because the impetus to get something in place to hold on to control is higher. Um, yeah, you know how you sell that to freaking right-wingers, too? Check this out. Well, you know, the U.S. gives out a lot of foreign aid. But if we gave it out with CBDCs and we found out that somebody was misappropriating the funds that we know they are, 
we could turn it off. It wouldn't work anymore. You think that's going to happen? No. But do you think the claim that they could do it would happen? Do you think it might affect people's opinions of it? What if they said, hey, you know, with CBDCs, even you can control what happens to money that you give somebody else with a little thing called a smart contract. So, you know, when you're giving your kid money when they're in college, you can make sure they actually pay for lunches and books and, you know, rent or whatever, things like that on it, so that they're not spending your money on things that they shouldn't be doing in the first place. Don't think that can't be done. It can, and they will try to sell it with things like that. Um, do any of these people think, how do you take back the money that was spent? Idiots. I guess that's kind of in vague of what I was saying there. Um, Zone 6 Eric says, is urine the best quick charge for biochar or is liquid organic fertilizer better? My understanding is the people that make biochar for a living and sell biochar for a living, their number one method of inoculation is to compost it in active compost. If you want your compost to be, when it's finished, you know, 10% biochar, and you put about 10% biochar, you'll actually end up a little higher than that because remember the compost volume will go down, but the biochar uh, 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 volume will not go down. So that's the number one way. The number two way is to inoculate it with compost tea. Those are your two best outputs. The urine thing is less than inoculation and more creating a form of fertilizer, which will then self-inoculate as that nitrogen is discharged. So the two top methods, again, active compost or compost tea. The third uh, most well thought of means of doing this is to actually, when you have completed compost, um, go ahead and mix it and wait several weeks before you apply it. So that's, again, this is all what I've picked up listening to people who have businesses selling biochar. And many of them refuse to sell what you would call naked biochar. They won't do it. They'll sell inoculated and they'll sell it mixed in with a compost. They will not sell it as straight pure biochar. And the reason they won't do it is because they don't want, they don't want their customer failing to do it and then coming away with a negative impression on the product. I've also learned from a lot of these people, the folks that are really good at making compost tea, making soil life, you know, brew, making these biological organisms, the best way to preserve that life and make it transportable from, let's say, my farm to yours is inoculating biochar. So this is where, you know, when I have conversations with Paul Wheaton, like, uh, you only need that down where you're at. We don't need it up here in Montana. But like, And I listen to him in that seminar I keep talking about with Alan Booker, talk about people shipping their their, their little you know jars of, of goo, right? I think it was a term Paul used, to someone else so they can jumpstart their biology. And, and, and Paul trying to sell Alan on that. And Alan pushing back on Paul, like, you know – they're not going to live that long. You can't really do that. If you inoculated biochar uh, and like a 50-50 blend biochar compost inoculated with the soil microbes, that's like the best way in the world to transport biological soil life, beneficial microorganisms from one location to another. 
Because the problem you have when you do it is they need temperature, which you only get so much of. They can Many of these things, as long as it doesn't get too hot, they just go dormant when it gets cold. They need oxygen. So when you try to do it in a liquid format, and you know there's so many products out there that they work, but they you know beneficial microorganisms in them. And it's a jug that sat on the shelf for 60 days. No, that's not how that works. Literally, when you're brewing compost tea and you're pumping oxygen in it, you turn the oxygen off, and within 30 minutes, soil organisms start dying in there because they're aerobic organisms, right? They also have to have food. They have to have something to consume. And sooner or later, they need to be active in working with root exudates, but they can survive for a time if they have a little bit of food, and they have protection from things like UV radiation. Well, see, these little critters, they go inside those little holes in the biochar. It's like a house. It protects them. So it is, again, I don't want to go too far into this because this is uh, this is something I want to talk about more this week. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you all being with me today. I don't have an item of the day for you today, but please remember tspaz.com whenever you're shopping online. If you like my work and you like this show and you want to support me and you don't want to spend any direct money out of pocket, just if you're going to buy something online, go to tspaz.com first. Start your shopping there and you help us out. However, let me add to that. If you're looking for product recommendation, everything on there, I own it, I use it, I spent my money on it, and I buy it again or it wouldn't be there. Uh, integrity is the TSP brand. Like we only recommend things that we would use. I have people trying to get me to sell y'all shit all the time and I won't do it. Not, not even, I'm not talking about like, like a direct sponsor relationship. Like, Hey, would you, we'll give you an affiliate link and here's this thing and tell your audience about it. And I look at it and go, I can make five grand doing that, but I won't do it because it's crap. It's something I wouldn't buy. I won't recommend it to you. I challenge anybody to disprove that. Uh, I've actually always thought sooner or later, some of you like, he doesn't have all that shit he has on T-Spaz. That's just to make my, and just a big giant pile of it and just pile it all off my table and post, but no one's ever actually claimed that. I guess that's good. Uh, but yeah, tspaz.com. If you want to help us out, you can also become a member of the members support brigade. Go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on members to learn more about that. That would be abundantly helpful. Always remember our sponsors, uh, when you're doing business for anything, we probably have somebody that, that does what you're looking for, or we have an MSB member, uh, a supporting vendor who does what you're looking for. So check that out. Uh, and, and, and lastly, I just wanted to say something I, I probably don't say enough, and that is just thank you to everybody that's in this community. Whenever I'm having a bad day, inevitably, I'm going to get two or three emails to completely turn that around. Just tell me what you guys are doing in your own life. It, it's, it's the best payday uh, that I, I could ever come away with in my life. Certainly the best payday as a podcaster. And it, it, it lets me know that I'm, I'm doing the right thing with my life. I'm spending my dash in a productive way. If it's helping other people to be productive. Um, I, I really do appreciate that. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll be back tomorrow with something. Maybe it'll be biochar. Maybe not. I ain't decided yet. It's about whether or not I can get the presentation I've been working on my other computer done. But guess what? I won't be working on it as soon as I'm done with this. I'm going to be going outside, firing up a kiln, and making biochar with my grandson. So with that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Are they going to bail you out? Just run you around. They said-
said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. 